Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church's Seven Days That Changed the World series. This is a series I'm very excited about because it's all about the seven days from Jesus entering Jerusalem to when he died and rose again. These seven days have transformed the world as we know it. And if you join us on this journey, it can transform you too. So we are glad that you're here. We hope that you'll stay to the end. We've got some great information to share with you. And our prayer is that this series will be an encouragement to you. Don't forget to fill out that online connection card before you leave. And again, we're glad you're here. Good morning. I am Scott, and besides being a teddy bear of a guy, I'm also uh, the parent of three young kids. We have a daughter who is 11, a son who's 8, and uh, a newer addition to the family, uh, Busy, who is about 16 months now, and uh, we enjoy being parents. But you know, as parents of young kids, uh, you try to go out on a date, and it's sort of like a Rubik's Cube, right? Like, it's impossible to completely finish. So we've gotten interrupted on dates in all sorts of different ways. We've had kids that have come up with a fever, and so we had to cut our plans short. Our most recent one was one of our kids, I won't mention her name, happens to be Tora. Um, We got a call from the school saying she's in the concussion protocol because she got hit in the head a couple of times with a basketball. You know, we've had dates canceled in so many different reasons. You know, our kids have thought that us locking them in the house for three or four weeks so we could go to the shore by ourselves was too long. I mean, we can't do it. No, but the reality is, is like whether you're a parent, uh, whether you're in a different station of life, whether it's just you as a single individual, our plans change so quickly. And what we thought was going to happen can change in the blink of an eye. Just within the last two weeks, we've kind of come upon the two-year anniversary of this whole COVID mess. I remember I was teaching uh, part-time at a Christian school in the area, and so it was my hour to teach sixth grade Bible. And somehow I had missed the email communication earlier in the day that kind of gave us as teachers a little bit more of a heads up. But the the headmaster of the school came on the, the PA system and said, hey, pack up your stuff and plan to go home for two weeks. So take everything that you need. And of course, two weeks turned into the rest of the school year and and all of that stuff. I remember driving home and hearing about like the run on toilet paper at Costco and thinking, why in the world do you need so much Costco, so much toilet paper? 
I remember a couple days later being at Giant and the line wrapping around literally the whole store to buy your groceries. Thankfully, they've taken care of that problem by just not having things in stock. So it's, it's, you can get through really quickly now. Our plans change and can change all the time. What we think is so certain can shift in an instant. And in this time of uncertainty, and probably if we're honest, all of our lives are like that, but it maybe feels a little bit more disorienting lately. I want us to be encouraged this morning as we continue to look through the last week of Jesus' life and remember and be encouraged by the fact that God's plans never stop. God's plans can't be stopped. They're unstoppable. Nothing can change them. There's no surprise that'll come along. No announcement on the PA system. No run on toilet paper. None of those types of things can change God's plans. And that's so encouraging because uncertainty in our life can take our joy and turn it into anxiety. Uncertainty can, can rob confidence and leave us feeling uncertain and, and not sure where to go. God's plans can't be stopped. And that's true of all of his plans, but we're going to look especially this morning and remind ourselves that God's plan of salvation can't be stopped. Nothing can stop what God planned to do and is planning to do by bringing salvation to this world. I invite you to turn, if you haven't done so already, into your copy of God's Word. It's in Matthew 26, where we're going this morning. I believe in the journals, it's page 144. And uh, you can join us there in Matthew 26. And we're going to take a look at this morning five encouraging reminders as it relates to this idea of nothing being able to stop God's plan. We're just going to kind of work our way through this text and kind of highlight where we keep seeing this idea of God's plan coming up and, and think about what the significance of that is. Turn with me, if you will, and uh, join me in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 26. It says there, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into a city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they had prepared the Passover. We see here that Jesus references, he says, my time is at hand. Josh and others, as we've worked our way through the book of Matthew, we've, we've noticed this idea of Jesus' time. And up until the last couple of chapters, it's been the fact that Jesus' time is not yet. But there was a specific time that was coming. Jesus says, it's at hand. At this point, it's like hours away of what's happening. There's been a plan that has been set in motion. And this whole story is set within the context of the Passover. 
And I think one of the things that, that Jesus wants us to take away is this reminder and this encouragement that political powers can't stop God's plan of salvation. Political powers can't stop God's plan of salvation. The Passover is a celebration that was instituted in the Old Testament. Some of us, depending on your age, may, may remember the Charleston Heston great Ten Commandments that would come on. It may still, they may still put it on uh, the TV around this time of year. Um, but I remember as a boy growing up watching that, seeing that on TV. Uh, if you're younger, there's a, there was a, a uh, I think it's called Prince of Egypt, an animated version that's pretty good. But the, the Ten Commandments. And the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, it's recorded in the book of Exodus, had grown and multiplied, and because they were seen as a threat to the Egyptians, they were enslaved in the nation of Egypt. And the Israelites were in bad shape. Moses comes along, and God uses him to deliver his people. And the Passover is this celebration this great reminder of God's saving work. It's kind of like the big example of the Old Testament of God's salvation. And it's this idea that Israel was saved miraculously out of Egypt, that they were removed as slaves and given their own identity as a nation and able to go ultimately into the promised land. And so when the New Testament authors and, and, and Matthew and Jesus, and they're celebrating the Passover, they're getting ready to remind themselves that through a sacrifice, God's judgment passed over them, and they were saved. They were saved from a political reality. You know, politics gets us all worked up. And whatever your political persuasion is, like we can get all upset. What if this candidate wins? What if the midterm elections go that way? What if the Supreme Court nominee gets confirmed or doesn't get confirmed? Or what if another spot on the, the, the court becomes available? And we get ourselves all worked up and all in a tizzy thinking, it's certainly a sign that everything is going wrong in our world and God must be just wringing his hands. Let me remind you, as it's been from the beginning, political powers can't mess up God's plan of salvation. The nation of Israel being enslaved in Egypt didn't mess up God's plan of salvation. Again, the, the Israelites being under Roman authority in Jesus' day did not mess up God's plan of salvation. In our world today, there's literally a war going on, multiple wars, but one that's really prominent in Ukraine. Do you know what's happening today in both Ukraine and in Russia? Christians are gathering to worship the gospel is being proclaimed. Pastors and believers are faithfully sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. Vladimir Putin can't stop God's plan of salvation. We're two weeks out from Easter. 
whatever your case may be, whatever your perspective may be, don't let politics rob your joy of celebrating Easter. We get to come together. We get to celebrate the resurrection that says God saves above all else. God's plan of salvation can't be stopped. (coughs) Continue to work our way through the text and we see then that personal betrayal can't stop God's plan of salvation. Pastor Alex last week touched on uh, kind of the, the prophecy related to Judas. We see it come into action now in our text. Verse 20, when it was evening, Jesus is eating with his disciples. He reclined at table with the twelve they were eating. But he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. They were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it, is it I, Lord? And, and he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man whom the Son of Man has betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. And we jump towards the end of our passage today in verse 47, and we see these things actually take place. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, And with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. They came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you've come to do. Jesus was betrayed by a person that he legitimately called a friend, Judas. Judas had been traveling with him for for years at this point. They had shared countless meals, gone on many adventures. Judas had seen Jesus up close, seen his miracles, experienced his teaching, seen him welcome and forgive sinners. Judas saw Jesus at work, and yet, in a dramatic turn, he personally betrays him. One of Jesus' closest friends on this world, in this world, betrayed him. I'm very fortunate to have the the times of betrayal in my life be inconsequential. I know, though, that some of you have experienced much more difficult betrayal. When spouses are unfaithful, when parents are abusive, when spiritual leaders or mentors mistreat and manipulate you, Those things cause pain and damage that can last a lifetime until Jesus restores all of that. And I don't don't want to minimize that this morning. 
Because those things are real and those pains are hurtful. And Jesus experienced the pain of betrayal by one of his closest friends. But as our our text said, as it is written of him, this was part of God's plan. The betrayal that Jesus experienced could not stop God's plan of salvation. The betrayal that you may have experienced in your life does not have to stop God's plan of salvation. It won't stop salvation. And we grieve with you, but take hope and be encouraged. God is not hampered by those types of sins against us. It wasn't just the betrayal of Judas, though. We continue to to work our way through the the text, and and we see that, that Jesus was also abandoned. He was abandoned. If we skip down to verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away of me because of this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go to Galilee. And Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. We can jump on Peter's case here, but the text clearly indicates all the disciples were in on this. We're never going to leave you. And in just a couple of hours, they all did that very thing. But again, we see that the text highlights and reminds us that as it is written, this is all part of God's plan. It was not a surprise. It did not stop His plan of salvation. Though Jesus was ultimately left alone to face his death. God's plan of salvation did not stop. I remember, (laughs) abandonment stinks. As a pastor, it's kind of a, a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor. It's kind of a rite of passage, right, to get left at the church alone sometime. It's happened to me multiple times. Completely my fault, never my parents'. Still going through therapy? No. (laughs) Just something that happens. Okay, and it's one thing to get left behind accidentally somewhere. But in a moment of need to have people abandon you really hurts. I was involved in a, a church plant in the Chicago area, and it came to the, the point where I, I thought, you know, our church family really could use some encouragement, really use some support, and have some reminders that we're not alone. And so what I did was, I went around to some local pastor friends, and I asked, I said, hey, could we get to lunch have lunch together, I'll, I'll buy you lunch and just want to talk with you and, and ask you, would you send just 
a couple of people to just come and attend a worship service so that our new congregation would know that we're not alone. I went to, I don't want to exaggerate, eight different pastors. The best answer I got was, ah, man, our people are so busy on Sunday morning. I'll make a little announcement, but I, I really, I don't think I can spare anyone. That was the best answer I got. That was really hurtful and painful. To have these guys that we would get together once a month or once every other month and have a breakfast together and pray and do all of these things, but but in a time of need to go to them and to have what I thought was a simple request, it stunk. But you know what? <laughs> Even though I went through that time of abandonment, you know what God still did? People still got saved in that ministry. People's lives were still impacted and changed. I'm still able to be here and to be part of this ministry and to see lives being transformed. To hear last week of someone placing their faith in Jesus, of having the opportunity to share Christ with others and invite them into following Jesus and knowing the power of God's salvation. Abandonment in our life does not mean that God isn't at work. Jesus experienced <coughs> this. And the reality is that when with God, you're never alone. And with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Pastor Bill on Good Friday is going to remind us that Jesus did say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus did know the most extreme form of separation. But for us as believers today, because of what Jesus experienced, we never have to go through life without God's loving and supporting and encouraging presence. And even if we end up all alone, God's plan of salvation does not stop. You can still be used of God. God can still work in and through you to communicate, to share, to invite people to follow Jesus. Jesus reminded his disciples, where two or three are gathered, it doesn't take a whole lot of people. I'm there with you. Now, we want to be the type of church we'd say, better together. <laughs> we want to be the type of church where you never have to feel like you've been completely abandoned, that you're all on alone. We are better together as we seek to impact this area and the world with the good news of God's salvation. But even when those times of abandonment come, God's work is not done. 
I want to remind us too of, of this idea that physical weakness can't stop God's plan of salvation. Verse 36, then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. And taking with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, uh, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, God's plan. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Let's try this again. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. As someone who's been known to get a little sleepy after a long day and a good meal, I can identify here with Peter, James, and John, right? Like all, this has been like a monument. It's the week that changed the world. Okay, they, they were probably legitimately a little tired here. Yes, Jesus wanted them to pray with him. Yes, Jesus somehow could have used their support in prayer. Their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. You know, even the strongest of us, like Pastor Josh, very strong, works out all the time. Amazing. In comparison to God, we're so weak. We can't, under normal circumstances, even make it like 24 hours without sleeping. We have to stop. We have to eat. We have to rest. We are weak individuals. And somehow, God has said, hey, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to have these people share the good news of my salvation with the world. And even though they're so weak. You may be here today and be sick. You may be here and be tired. You may be sick and tired. God's plan of salvation isn't stopped by our physical weakness. Jesus said to Paul in 2 Corinthians, when he, with apparently a physical weakness that, that Paul was given by God, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In God's plan, as he thinks about moving forward, 
His plan of salvation. Our weakness demonstrates His power. His plan can't be stopped. The last thing that I want us to remind us of is that, that, that God's plan can't be stopped by rash actions. Uh, we jump in verse 52, 51. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We know from other texts this was Peter again. Probably not a great swordsman. Probably meant to do more than cut off the ear. Probably missed. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into his place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temples teaching and you did not seize me, but all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. We see here in the, the text, how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? Verse 53, verse 56. All this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. God's plan was at work. And even Peter's rash actions couldn't stop it. I think occasionally you can still find a red box somewhere. But back when that was more of a thing and you didn't, couldn't just stream like we can today a movie if you wanted to watch it, uh, I was taking with my wife was in the front seat and my grandmother, who at the time was like 97, 98, was in the back seat. And we were going to the grocery store to drop off our red box rental like 30 seconds before we had to pay for another day. I pull up on the curb in front of the grocery store. I hop out of the car. I'm going about my business. And I jump back into the car. And my wife, in the most gracious and loving, not frazzled at all, no, she's very annoyed and frustrated with me. Because unbeknownst to me, I forgot to put the car in park. And so the car was rolling back or forward. I can't remember which way we were on the hill, but it was moving. And she had to like leap over the center console and throw her arms down onto the, the brake and like throw the car into park. She was not real happy with me. We got the movie back on time, but she was not, she was not happy with me. My grandma used this moment to share one of her nuggets of spiritual wisdom. And she said, God protects us even from our stupidity. I do stupid things all the time. We blurt things out and say things. We're trying to share the gospel with someone and we do it in completely the wrong way. And that's like a good mistake. More often, we're trying to share the gospel with somebody and we get mad at them because they cut us off driving down the road or they didn't get their assignment at work done. 
the right time. And we blurt out and we do stupid things. Peter did a stupid thing. Right? I know. There's this whole mob of people with clubs and weapons and guards and all these things. I'll take care of it. Fishermen not known for their swordsman activities. Right? Like there was no way this was going to work out well. Jesus, the other Gospels help us know, you know, heals the guy, puts his ear back on. Peter's rash action didn't mess up God's plan. Our stupidity doesn't mess up God's sovereignty. You all are much more wise and smart than I. My stupidity, all the ways that I've messed it up as a pastor, as someone trying to share the gospel with others, as someone who's trying to faithfully live out what it means to be a follower of Christ. I can't mess up God's plans. Nothing can stop God's plan of salvation. Now, we've been talking all morning this morning, and I keep saying, nothing can stop God's plan of salvation. Nothing can stop God's plan of salvation. So it would probably be a good idea if we just stopped and we asked the question, do you understand God's plan of salvation? Do you know what God's plan of salvation is? We skipped the passage. We're going to come back and and celebrate the Lord's Supper here in in a minute. But Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And communion is a reminder that we're supposed to do that says this is what it means to experience God's salvation. And the phrase that, that sticks out in our text that talks about this says, for this is my, well, let's read the whole thing. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after the blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks and gave it to them, said, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Poured out for you. Poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What is God's plan of salvation? God's plan of salvation is that we are sinners in need of saving. That we are separated from God. And everything that we try to do to fix that just makes it worse. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as part of his plan that was instituted from even before the world was created, to live a perfect life and yet to tragically be killed. Not just as an example of sacrifice, but to be killed in our place. To to pay the punishment that deserves to be ours. That his blood was spilled, poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. 
And then three days later, as we get to celebrate in two to two weeks, and we celebrate every Sunday, he rose from the grave to say that the penalty has been paid, forgiveness is yours, life with God that lasts forever is available. That is God's plan of salvation. And all you have to do to experience that and to make that your own is to admit, yes, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I'm believing that Jesus' death alone pays the penalty of my sin, takes the punishment. And then I'm confessing with my mouth. I'm declaring to God and to others that this is my only hope, that Jesus died for me and rose to give me life with him. That is God's plan of salvation. So the next question is, do you believe it? Have you made that decision to personally internalize God's plan of salvation for your life? If not, today could be the day where that becomes truly a reality for you. And that God's plan of salvation comes to you personally. If you'd like to learn more about this, of, to, to hear it maybe put a little differently, to explore this more, if this is your first time ever hearing it, you can go to our gospel tab on our, our webpage and learn more ab about that. You can express you, that you followed through a, a form that's there, or you can do that on your, on your connection card. If this is a reality in your life, I've got a question for you, if it has been already a reality. And it's this idea that, that what Jesus has done for us, he wants to do through us. Jesus experienced all of these things. There were political powers at work against him. Rome and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, all of these things were working against him. Betrayal, abandonment, weakness, rash, rash actions. Are you letting these things stop you? They didn't stop Jesus. But what God has done for us, he wants to do through us. And so oftentimes, we get all bent out of shape about politics. And we'll put everybody on blast and talk about that and never talk about Jesus. Things happen to us, awful things. And I don't minimize that, but is that stopping us from sharing the hope and the good news of Jesus? People abandon us. <laughs> We're so weak. Most of you didn't fall asleep during this, and I appreciate it. But we're, we're weak. And then we just do stupid things, or people do stupid things to us. Are we going to stop? Are we going to let that stop us from moving forward? You got on your seat today an invite card for Easter. Don't let there be an excuse. Invite others. Pray for them. Invest in them. Invite them to come to Easter. Don't let any type of excuse stop you from moving Jesus' mission forward.
It is not without accident that the last verses of Matthew are the Great Commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples. What God, what Jesus has done for us, he wants to do through us. He wants to use you to move his plan of salvation forward. And the way that we get to do that is telling the message of salvation and inviting people to follow him. I encourage you to, to take your connection card and to, to let us know how you're going to respond. We're going to celebrate communion in just a, a couple of minutes here. And there's going to be a video that plays and some so, soft music. If you haven't yet grabbed the communion elements, you can do that. But I would encourage you to use this 90 seconds or so to prayerfully consider what is my next step? How am I going to respond? And that you would write it as a commitment to the Lord and a request for prayer to help you in that. This is what God is calling me to do. Maybe it's to believe and to say, yeah, I want to say today's the day that I decided to follow Jesus. Maybe it's to repent. And you say, you know what? I've been letting all the wrong things stop me from moving telling others about Jesus forward. Maybe you want to pray and say, hey, I'm going to take this challenge to invite five people to Easter. I need God's help in that. Or maybe it's a, a commitment that you want to make and share there. Use these next 90 seconds or so to, to pray and to think through that. Christ and are living a life seeking to be obedient to him, we invite you to, to participate along with us this morning in this act of remembrance. And the ultimate example and reminder and lesson that God's plan of salvation came.
can't be stopped is in what we're doing right now. Even in the most tragic event of human history, the perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God, Jesus, who lived a completely perfect life, even in the moment of his death, God was using those very circumstances to bring about his plan of salvation for all time. And as we take the bread and we drink the juice, we remember and we declare to one another God's plan of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you had a plan for how we can have salvation, how we can have life with you, how we can have forgiveness, how we can spend eternity with you in bliss, that you've had this plan since before you even created the world. Thank you. Thank you that nothing can stop this plan. God, thank you that you've made it so easy that in a plan that requires nothing of us but everything of you that you initiated into our life, salvation made available through Jesus' death and his resurrection. God, we celebrate and remember and declare our gratitude for your plan of salvation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take and eat the bread that was broken, Jesus' body broken for us. Jesus' blood was shed for us and for our forgiveness. Let's drink in remembrance. Hey, thanks for sticking all the way through the end. We hope that those lessons that we talked about will be encouragement to you. We want to invite you back next time as we go to the next day that changed the world. And if you're interested in digging deeper or connecting more, we've got a special gift for you while supplies last. If you fill out your connection card and let us know that you'd like these Matthew journals, we will gladly send one to you. Don't forget to fill that out online before you log off. We'll see you next time.